What radio, the music you want. With your host, Dee's Dan. Would you like a cup of coffee? What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live and in living color from the Radio What Studios. And this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous? It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time. And if you need DJ services, where do you go? DJLittleRock.com. Check availability, get a free price quote, and maybe you can have me. Yeah, me, Keys Dan. At your next event. I like to play music for the people. Video dance parties, karaoke jams, weddings, corporate events. You know, I like to play for you. Let me entertain you. Today on the program, Jamil Williams, Casual Business Moves. Found him on Instagram and uh, he looks like he's got a story to tell. So you got that to look forward to in your ears in the next few minutes. Stick around for that. This week's shows, well, it's Saturday as we're recording this, and, uh, well, I have nothing tonight, and that's kind of exciting. A Saturday night off. It's been a long time. I might go off uh, to Blackwoods Landing in Conway, Arkansas, and go visit with Deshaun and the Electric Current. That's a new place. They had karaoke last night with Brock Forness, and they uh, have live music. So it's a, it's a little... Well, not such a little restaurant. It's probably a medium-sized restaurant, but then they set up a stage on the side of it. So uh, it's Saturday uh, after Thanksgiving, after Black Friday. It's Small Business Saturday, and Blackwoods Landing on Hark Rider in Conway, Arkansas fits that bill. They're a small business. So go support your small businesses today uh, and every day for that matter. Small businesses, you know, a lot of times the moms and pops, the small businesses of the world, they're the ones that are going to treat you nice. Sometimes it might be a little bit more expensive, but it's the service. If something breaks, they're going to bend over backwards to get you fixed up. Uh, so, yeah, support your local small business. I say that. I shop online myself a lot. I'm guilty of it, no doubt. But, uh, you know, brick and mortar it might go the way of the the dodo one day and uh, be a thing of the past but uh while they're here hey support your local business there i'm going to do it i do do it so yeah but yeah shopping online is just so easy <laughs> all right uh next week's shows let's see the public shows on Thursday, I'm at the Old Post Barbecue in Russellville, Arkansas, from 6 to 9, the video dance party, karaoke jam, family friendly, come on out, good barbecue, they got frosty beverages for the adults, but you know I keep the music family friendly, so bring the kids, bring everybody out to the Old Post Barbecue Thursday night from 6 to 9, and then on Friday night, my usual Friday gig, I'm at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas, they have the full bar, the kitchen, pool tables, foosball, shuffleboard darts the giant jenga game giant checkers game and of course me with the video dance party karaoke jam that's friday nights at the rab in conway arkansas from from 8 p.m until close which is almost two in the am usually yeah come on out the rab and then saturday night i think i have a private event on saturday night so don't need to tell you guys about that <laughs> 
What I do need to do is get into it with Jameel Williams from the Casual Business Moves. Calling Jameel Williams now. Well, hello. It's Keys Dan hey, with the man, What Makes you you... Oh, it's so good, man. Keys Dan with the What Makes You Famous podcast. To whom do I have the pleasure of speaking? You have the pleasure of speaking to Jamil Williams. Jamil, give the people a little idea of what casual business moves is and who is Jamil. Well, Jamil Williams, man, is basically, you know, a guy that's coming to his own, man, a businessman. I've always been a go getter, man, someone who. You know, believes in the community, and right now I'm trying to do more to help the community. You know, after being a a detriment to the community back in my day. Okay, expound on that. Sounds like there's a story to tell. We've got time, my man. Okay, well, you know, well, first and foremost, you know, I want to say I'm far removed from the person in this book. I spent 12 years of my life not knowing if I would ever make it out to tell my story. So I don't condone the same violence I once took pride in. And, you know, like I said, I'm looking to do prison reform now. But, you know, growing up, I was extremely violent. I beat five, I beat three attempted murder cases. You know, I, I ran with a notorious gang. Um, in my later stages, I, kind, I came into a friendship with Benzino, and that opened up, you know, a whole new world, you know, as as much as I was making hundreds of thousands of dollars in the streets and using my gun on a very regular basis, dealing with the Source magazine brought me into rubbing elbows with the stars. It, it, you know, it brought stars just coming around on a regular basis, but it also put those stars in the same type of violent atmosphere that I was always used to having, so... You know, sometimes those two those two paths, you know, cross. I know Jamil Williams that the the rich and famous, the the stars, the the people that are in the highlights, the the candles that are burning the most bright. To coin a phrase, they sometimes live their lives very fast and very free, and sometimes they they the the lines between wrong and right get blurred quite often. You hear these stories all the time, where. Uh, he got caught doing drugs. He got caught uh, uh, robbing a, 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 con- a convenience store or, or even a clothing shop because they didn't know any better. They, they're so used to, to getting their clothes for free, to getting things for free. They don't know what money is. So you start running with those people and the lines start getting blurred. Now, where did you grow up? What, where, whereabouts is all this uh, happening, uh, Jamil Williams? Well... The story, I was born and raised in um, Boston, Mass. So the majority of my stories take place in Boston. And I grew up in the Dorchester section probably for my first 12 years. And then I moved to the Mattapan section. And 
you know, for, for those that don't know, including myself, w- what are those sections? And, you know, geographically, and I guess okay. we all know Boston. Uh, so uh, in, in accordance to that area, so, north, south, I would, say, I would say Boston is probably made up of five sections. Now, when I say five sections, we're ta- probably talking about a span of 15 minutes of driving down the main, the main avenue to get from one end to the other. But you have to understand within those 15 minutes of driving at the time back in the days, there was gangs on every street corner. So even even going five five blocks, you know, it was dangerous. Yes, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so even going five blocks. So gangs everywhere. So if you was to walk five blocks, even if you was to walk five blocks up, you would have to go through five different gangs. Gotcha. So, you know, it's you know the danger, the danger aspect of, in Boston was always at a, at a heightened pace, no matter what time of day it was, or you know, the time of the time of year. So you're leading me to believe that the only way to survive to to live in some kind of safety is to join one of these gangs, and is that what you did? Well, that's basically how my book comes about like I grew up in three different sections of Boston basically and I was cool with three different gangs and I wasn't really involved in anything and then at that time it wasn't really you know to the extent of picking up a gun or hurting anybody it was just you know a bunch of kids that like hanging with each other so later on in life when I did move to to Bell now where um, you know the gang that I end up eventually ended up claiming the other two gangs that came into a place where I had to pick and choose, you know, and they made the choice for me. So after that, you know, I just went on went full force on um, revenge. All right. So tell me more about this. Uh, how did this uh, manifest itself? Your, your uh, life of, uh, well, uh, not so good doing, uh, Jameel well, Williams. Well, you have to understand that, you know, I grew up in an environment that were, it was all around us. You know, it's not something that, you know, we take pride in, but it's something that you you see on a regular basis. It's something that becomes the norm to you. So if you walk out your house and you're facing violence, then basically you're going to want to pick up arms and, you know, be able to protect yourself. So with all the violence going around me and then me becoming a target with someone else, you know, coming at me, I felt like I had to pick up arms. I felt like I had to protect myself. And I've always been the type that, you know, I take things a little bit too far sometimes. So when I did pick up arms, I took it to the fullest extent. I wanted to be the toughest person in the street. Oh yeah, uh, I, you see it in movies. Uh, King Kong has nothing on you, <laughs> you know. You, you, you see that, and you, you yeah. want to emulate that. Yeah, you want to be the strongest. One of, the, one of those guys, man. But I just wasn't water working with the police. But but right. I was one of those guys, man. Like yeah, man. Like tried it, tried proven and respected in the streets, and then and you know when you see me and my boys coming coming along, you knew that there was a chance that violence could kick off at any given time. 
So Boston in the surrounding areas is a tough place to live for some people, including yourself, Jamil Williams. And this, okay, what years was this? What what year were you born? Let's put it that way. So I I basically came off. I came out the house early. So you know I came out the house maybe when I was thirteen, fourteen, selling drugs. And you know I I, I say it in my book. I didn't really have to do it. I came from. You know, a basically well-off family, men, middle class men. A lot of my aunts and uncles, men, got in with the computer scene when it was first coming out. We had computers in the house when they first came out. So, you know, a lot of them are well-off. And I really, I came from the same cloth, so I didn't have to join the life. But it was something about the streets that attracted me, you know. It's something that was calling me. It seems like they was always having a lot of fun and everybody else that wasn't in the streets wasn't, you know, and just, just hanging in the streets is nothing good that really comes about it. So you start picking up bad habits and, you know, that's one of the habits I picked up and hanging with bad dudes, you start doing bad things. So was there any school life at all? And how was the home life? Uh, Were you getting any guidance at home? Well, the, as far as guidance, um, I had I, two different worlds again. Like my father, my my father used to be in college, went to UMass, um, was in church, was one of the guys, man, around the neighborhood doing things, helping, became a firefighter, and then got on drugs. And you know, went to the full extent. I'll get into that later, but yeah, he went to the full extent of drug use and the things that, you know, come with drugs. And, you know, as a little kid being exposed to that, man, basically I was in a position where being in the, in the bed with my father one time hearing about him committing murder. Jamil Williams, now you're at 13 years old and and you say drugs. Drugs is a very subjective thing. A lot of drugs that were illegal back then are now being legalized and regulated for safety reasons, if nothing else. You know, if, if you're if you're growing something on your own. And you're not being regulated by any kind of uh, uh, of a, a well. It might be a government agency, uh, of course, uh, would be the most uh, w- widely uh, expected. But it, you know, if you're growing it on your own, you never know what you're going to get. But now it's being regulated. So uh, you know, you say drugs. What kind of drugs was your father into? And then at 13, what did you start getting into and well, selling? Well, he was. At 13, like I said, I was in the bed and then and hearing him talk about he committed murder. So he was in, at that time, He I think he was doing crack cocaine. And then he graduated to um, eventually doing heroin. And then it eventually graduated to sticking the needle in his arm and, you know, eventually ended up to dying. So he probably died when I was 16. Third by thirteen, you know he was. You know by I say ten, he was a distant person in my life. So know? between thirteen and fifteen, you're seeing all this. You start a life of your own where you're starting to delve into the, the drug dealing. But then your dad takes his life. Your dad, it, I'm guessing, overdose. What, what, what was it that that you did know, him in? Well, you know, just uh, uh, years and years of drug use, man. You know, deteriorating. 
Yeah, man, you know, he died just of, he didn't overdose, but just the drugs took, a, you know, took an impact on his on his body and his life. So, so at 15 yeah, years well, old, a young Jameel Williams witnesses this, his dad passes away. Uh, what does that make you do? I mean, some people could take one path where you'll you'll not do anything, go on the straight and narrow, and then some people take the other path and follow in the footsteps. Where did you go, Jameel Williams? You have to understand. I he was a distant memory from ten years old. So I started selling drugs at thirteen. By thirteen, I was carrying guns, and then I was in in the field. By 16, when he died, I didn't even care to go to his funeral. I was that deep in the game. Like, it didn't really have an effect on me. Like, but the mother, my my, my mom's just got married to um, her long-life partner. And after maybe five years, and they've been together 37 years. So I did have a father figure in my life. But it's just, we clashed as well. So that wasn't a figure for me to look up to as, you know. Okay. So I was by myself. I my boys, my boys, I basically ran with my boys and they were my brothers, my, the people I learned from and, you know, where I got my habits from. Well, you took the the route where the people on the streets or, or your you know your friends became more important to you than your actual family. I mean, how how was your mom growing up? And and you say you clashed with your stepdad a little bit, but was he right. a decent person or did he try his best or or you know how how was that, Jamel Williams? Well, I, I was I, he he definitely tried, man. You know and. He's a good guy. Like I said, they've been together for 37 years. So obviously that shows some type of commitment and loyalty. So, you know, for making my mother happy, that makes me happy. But my mother, you know, my mother was a hardworking lady, man. She went to college, um, got a nursing license at like 20 years old, became a registered nurse and provided for a mother and a father. So she, you know, she was, everything to look up to man and everything i needed i i, I didn't grow up needing anything yeah I so it sounds went, like mom was doing the job she was doing the job i just you know when you don't have a father figure you know you just i didn't have the guidance i maybe i didn't have the guidance that i needed to 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 be in a straight path but also i think that your environment plays a lot in how you come about because my kids live in an environment, the suburbs, they don't know anything about gang violence. They don't know anything about streets, period. So, you know, that's never even a, a idea in their mind to to want to become that, you know? So I, and your environment plays a, an important part of who you are. You're so right, Jamil Williams. That's what we want for our kids, to be better than us. And if you had right. the hardship, you definitely want to steer them in the right direction. And it sounds like that's right. what you're doing. That's skipping ahead way forward. But uh, we're, we're at a, a young Jamil, 15, 16 years old, and you're finding your father figure on the streets. Who who was the guy that guided you in, into the life that you led? Well, I think that, you know, basically... And you don't have I to name names, especially if it's no, going to get you in trouble, of course. I was going to say that I came in, like, my, the the the, the gang that I, I ran with, 
we didn't have a leader. So it's like everybody was their own man. So you made your decisions and just coming about, you know, coming up with each other is like you get to everybody acts the same. You know, you just it just becomes normal. So the things that people might be look at and be like, wow, that is just and a life that you can't imagine. To me, it was just like a normal day. So I really didn't can't say I looked up to anybody. I just raised myself and the people around me had influences, you know, that I might I might have taken in. All right. So you had people that you ran with that 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 you you learned from each other. So. All right. What kind? Okay. Quote unquote drugs were were you selling? Uh, What was it that you were getting into? Were you uh, taking the drugs yourself? Uh, And then, you know, where did where did everything go from here? And how did it all go uh, askew? Well, as far as drugs, the only um, type of drug I've I've ever partaken in was marijuana. So around my neighborhood taking drugs and anything other than weed is like frowned upon. Like it, I maybe I'm, I was maybe 18 before I even really saw what, you know, dope looked like in my section of Boston, you know, people didn't do heroin. So it was just mainly crack cocaine. So with the crack cocaine, I was selling crack at like 13, and, you know, that means neighbors, that means family members. That means everything. You know, at, at 13, I was out there. So is that the stuff that really was the hardcore uh, of what you were doing at that point? Well, at, at, at 13, well, I say earlier, from the 80s, mid-80s to like, I want to say the early 90s, crack cocaine was like an epidemic and that was sweeping across all across America and you know, it was in every inner city. So yeah, that's where we made our money. That's how we supported ourselves. And that's how we got all the fortunes that we wanted at an early age. Okay. So, uh, I, I still didn't get the timeline on this. What, what year were you born? So I was born in, in 76. Okay. And, um, and I probably, like I said, came out at 13. So, Probably the late 80s, early 90s was my, my year. All right. So, so early, early 90s. Were you still going to school or was this was school done for you by this point? Well, that's the thing is school-wise and academic-wise, I was always like a, above the rest. So I've always went to, you know, high-touted schools. Um, believe it or not, I went to Mission High. Mission High School, which was a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. So uh, the thing is, it was stuck in between two projects, two two projects on different sides of Boston. So the kids in the projects used to get um, they used to get grants. So the school was basically a gang a gang haven. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Anything, anything. In other words, anything but a Catholic school. So. And we had um, one of the best basketball teams, so that allowed us a freedom to get away with doing what you know anything else we wanted to do. 
I can see what you're saying, uh, you know, because uh, right. a lot of times they treat athletes like uh, like kings and, and queens and princes and princesses uh, to where they they can get away with a lot of things. And, and it, it affords you to free them to do right. all the things that you're saying that you're doing. So uh, so well, Catholic school, you know, I went to a Catholic just, school. What happened? No, let's, let's just say the year they, they were closing down the, the school. After the season, almost the whole basketball team was expelled. Oh. <laughs> so, so they had enough of us for, throughout the years. They was like, okay, there ain't going to be no basketball scholarship. Okay, it's over. Oh, okay. But, then, but I ended up going from there. I ended up going to another touted public school. So in, in Boston, they have like three public schools that basically you have to take exams to go in. And they basically handpicked their kids on, you know, their academic performances. And, you know, my test performances were always good. And I ended up getting into Snowden International Copley. And that's where I ended up graduating. Mm-hmm. So, okay, uh, so you, you did, wait, you did go, you graduated high school. And then what yeah. happened? Did you get out and... and uh, well, Put everything behind you and, and go to college, or, or you turn so, the different uh, direction? So, so, all throughout high school, I was gang banking. So, mm -hmm. you, you have to understand, by the time I graduated high school, I had, uh, I had already, you know, been heavy into gang activity. I had already shot numerous people. And, you know, I was knee-deep into the streets. So, actually... I ended up shooting my classmate right before I graduated. Oh. One accident, but, you know, whatever. But, yeah, so that's how how deep I was in. And shortly after I graduated, I believe I ended up going to, I ended up going to prison. Oh, okay. So what what ultimately did you in that, that they uh, convicted you? And, and and how did how did that manifest? Uh, before you went in, uh, how, what was the trial like? And, and then after you went time? in? Well, no, at which time? So when I went in... The first time, the first I guess. Time. Now now I'm the learning about time multiple times. <laughs> well, the first time I went in, a guy was, I felt like was being disrespectful. He was selling drugs on, on in my neighborhood. So I went out there and... Um, I stuck a four five underneath his underneath his chin and told him, "Listen, don't ever be around here again." So he, I left him. I robbed him, left him, went back around the way, and he came back with a gun searching for me. So I guess he thought he was going to catch me off guard, and I jumped out on him, caught him off guard again, and I told him, "Listen, you know you're around, you're messing with a the wrong person." I would take your life if it, if it wasn't in front of my people's house. And he gave me a casual answer, and I went back, and I eventually ended up shooting him. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was a little crazy back then. Well, but shoot, yeah, so shoot dead up, or shoot injured? So I, ended up, I, ended up I just ended up shooting him. I think I, think I shot him in the shoulder or whatever. He ended up getting caught with the gun. He ended up telling, telling on me. A guy he was with told on me. And the guy I was with ended up telling on me. So I was on the run, and that's what I ended up going to D.C. Mm-hmm. So, so I was on the run in D.C., and that was a whole nother different life. 
So tell me about that, Jamil Williams. You you left Boston behind, Boston in the surrounding areas in the late eighties, I'm guessing. And no, this is this is this is this is ninety four. Ninety four. So yeah, right now around this time we probably had gang violence from ninety two. We had been warring with um, the Greenfield crews. Like I said, I I grew up in three different sections. And mm-hmm. one section was Belnell, that's the, the gang I chose. The other was Greenfield, and that's the gang I ended up working with. And there was another gang called Riff. The Riff really didn't really have no, you know, too many issues with, but Greenfield and Belnell had had an ongoing war forever in a day. So that's when I moved over to Belnell, was basically, they're like, okay, you're a Belnell dude now. And so I had to choose. And so you got absorbed from one gang to another, and you had a choice to make. So you have to understand, all the people I end up shooting and basically eventually catching a murder case and all that. Those are guys that I end up that I I grew up around. These were my my childhood friends. Okay. Now you're making me think about uh, was this accidental? I mean, was was there no, no, anything intentional? We, everything was intentional. We was at war. It was they trying to. Well, they never shot at me personally. I, in the whole war, they never shot at me personally. But they shot my friends. You know, they shot at other people. So you know, when you when you're at war with two gangs at war, things you know. You're trying to kill each other. You, you have to understand, people don't. People think of the war in Afghanistan. Don't understand that that same type of war happens in the inner city every day. What I'm, what I'm thinking about, Jamil Williams, is this is more like a civil war. This is you could actually have family members fighting against family members. You're in the no, same that happens, city. That happens. That happens. That happens. And that happens in my book. Family members getting shot, and you know, I've had family members on that side of the gang, and that that happens in every yeah everywhere in, in the city, especially in Boston. Like we have a a big Cape Verde in um um back in in, in Boston, and all the Cape Verdeans are uh, are connected, all cousins, and they all shoot each other. That is crazy, so, man. That is just that, it's it's insane to me outside looking at it from the outside, man. Uh, the only uh, you know yeah, go ahead. Is you if you're like I said, when you're not around an environment that violence is of the norm, it doesn't. It seems crazy. You know, it's like wow, man. But if you're in an amusement park and you go out and you're just living in an amusement park and you're like, okay, well this. You just become normal to that. You know what I mean? You're like, okay, well, I'm used to kids running around. I'm used to hearing all kind of noises. It's the same thing about the inner city. Like, you might see people, you'd be like, okay, my best friend just, my friend that I was talking to last week, he's dead. And life goes on. You see, that's just how it is. Man, it's it's, it's, it's amazing it's, what humans can think of as the new normal. <laughs> you know. It's a twisted way of thinking. It's a twisted way of thinking. And it's just, you know, it's just a society that we grow up in, man. You know, like I said, it's just your environment. Wherever you are, man, it's going to dictate how you become as a man. You know, if you're not, if you, if you don't, if you're used to being around people who work every day, 
can more than likely you're going to be working in the same job working. If you're used to people who are, are smoking weed every day, guess what? Nine times out of ten, you're going to be smoking weed. It's just who you hang with and who you gravitate to. All right. Well, as you say, the heat was on in Boston and you made your so getaway. I so I went to D.C. and at the time, D.C. was the murder capital for 10 years running straight. I have heard that. I think I made a class right. trip back in 86 and they were still saying it was the murder capital of the world. Right, right. You know, I went down there and like everybody was making money. It was just, you know, a whole new world. And, and, and actually, it was a relief to me because I had been gangbanging for years and now I really didn't have to watch my back. You know, even though I was in a violent environment, I really didn't have to watch my back. So I ended up poking up with my aunt. And back then she was making like $100 an hour um, in 94. You know, she was doing computers and teaching them how to people, you know, how to program computers and all that. So she well, actually that sounds like starting, a way to go. What? So that's what it was. She, she was starting a business and she was like, listen, I want you to be able to, I'm going I'm to train you. So, you know, I want you to be able to train people to, to learn how to program computers. We're going to have a course. And basically once everybody's finished the course, they're going to be able to make 30 start and making $30 an hour, you know, in 94, that was good money still is, but you it know, still is. Back, yes. then was, back then that was great money. You see what I'm saying? So right. I was, I was all, I was psyched. On the other hand, I also got linked in with a guy down there who was probably pushing seven to 10 keys a week. So he's like, listen, you come in, you come down here, you can come with me and listen, we'll do 60, 40. So me being a goon, I'm like, this is a perfect opportunity for me to just come out here and start a new world. Mm. You know, but, and I was out there and, you know, a little violence, whatever, but unfortunately, before all those things could come in and come into, you know, to, to, to what I, my vision, I ended up going back to Boston to get everything I was supposed to get. And that's when I ended up going to jail. Oh, so why so did I you, to, why did you go back to Boston? You were trying to, I was trying to, I was going back. To, I was going to start my whole life again. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to leave Boston alone. I'm going to be up here. I'm going to do this a little bit. And then get into the business, man. Once I start making money, legit, I'm just gonna, you know, turn turn a new turn turn a new life around. But I went to Boston to get my to get, you know, my you know little things that I needed, you know, for you know the living up there. And I said, let me go back around my way one time. And mm. I went around and didn't even last an hour. Ah, they all knew Jameel Williams was back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. How did that manifest? They had, picture, they had my picture on the um, inside the police barracks, but yeah. So I ended up. I they thought I was going to go to prison for a long time. I ended up catching a break. I ended up doing like a year and a half. I came back out. So now, you know, I'm dead broke. You know, coming in, man, heavy into gang violence. You know, just going crazy around town. I'm starting to build a reputation for shootings, you know, I already had one, but now I'm really starting to build one. And that's when we end up, our crews end up forming with Benzino. 
Well, Jamil Williams, you said you ended up catching a break and you went to jail for a year and a half. That doesn't sound like a break to me. What what were you convicted of? Well, well I was convicted of a gun charge and um, I think they dropped the attempted murder. So I think they dropped the attempted murder now or they, they broke it down to intent. So I was facing 18 to 20 at mm. the time. So a year and a half is, you know, a break when you're facing 18 to 20. So... You know, I ended up going upstate. You know, I was 18. I was just turning 18 at the time. So I ended up going upstate. And I think I came home around like 19. 19. Broke back in Boston, uh, back home with mom or find find your own place? I came home to mom. She held me. She held me down, broke, came home living to my mom. So in 94, she brought a... She moved away from the Belknell area and, um, you know, you know, brought a house over in the Ashma. But right before, right before I did, I did leave something out. So right before I got locked up, mm-hmm. we, I, that's when I ended up catching the murder case. Okay. And <laughs> how, how, what, where, why, how, how did this happen? Well, Jamil Williams. You can, you can Google that. That's, you know, you know, Jamil Williams, Milton Case in, in Boston, Mass. But, you know, like I said, we was two games going back and forth, man, from, I want to say, 92 to 94 before my incarceration. And we're talking gang violence every day. Yeah. So we might be talking four shootings a week, four or five shootings a week, you know, between the two crews. We're talking numerous people going to, you know, getting shot. So me shooting people and me shooting guns was, wasn't, was you know, unusual. You know, the cops knew that was me. I was hunted by the cops. They always, every time I caught a case, they was there. So, you know, I had a couple of shooting cases before that, before my murder case. But five, I think, what was it, 10, year, 10 days before I caught my murder case, one of my best friends was murdered mm. and well, one of my best friends and a female was murdered. Mm. So where did life go for Jamil Williams from there? You, you got out of jail. You're of jail. 19 years of, old, you know, living with mom. You got people dying around you. Right. So no money, you know, um, wasn't into selling drugs. We stopped. I stopped selling drugs probably when I was 17. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, just hanging. And then we started doing check scans. So we got into the check scan. There was something that people in Boston wasn't, you know, familiar with. And, you know, we was. What is that? So we was like, we was basically, you know, you know, just doing ATM scans, getting checks, putting them in the ATMs, getting $2,500 of, you know, a, a hit. So that's what we did. You know, we, we lived off of that for a while. And then, it got bigger, you know, and then when we turned into an enterprise, we started making hundreds of thousands and then it turned into, you know, we, we had even more millions coming in. So, so this is how you're making your living. This is how you're making your money. And does well, your mom know anything about this? Well, at, you have to say, well, when I first came in, I'm, I'm, I'm fast forwarding, but when I first came out, I was broke, you know, still doing the gang violence. And sure. that's when we met. 
that's when we met Benzino. I was probably around 18 at the time. Um, you know, just started hanging at the no- local bar, you know, just, you know, he had, he was part of the RSO group at the time. And, you know, it was just the atmosphere of that and wasn't really too much going on. But the next year, that's when Dave Mays came around, owner of the Source magazine. And okay. that's when th- things really started moving. And at the time, Dave Mays was probably worth tens of millions. Yeah, Source Magazine, quite a, a big mag- a big publication, and you're involved right. with that. Uh, how how did that yeah. manifest? Were Were you working for him? Well, working with him? Well, so Benzino, Benzino ultimately became because Benzino was still around when the first publication came out. When he because Dave May started the publication in Boston, Mass. A lot of people don't know that he was going to Harvard um, University at the time, and Benzino in 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 made men in the world at the time they was RSO were big supporters of the magazine of, of getting it started and launching it. So once, once it did become, you know, up to 10, 10 worth tens of million, he put Benzino down and that's when Benzino kind of let a little bit of money flow through the rest of the people. Mm-hmm. So, okay. And then what? What were you? What was your involvement? You you were well. My involvement. My involvement was just I was a cool guy. So my team, we we. I never worked for the source. I was offered a job at the source, but by the time the source really took off, I was making like hundreds of thousands. Doing so the check scheme. I, right. I didn't really need a. I really didn't need a source job. But what I used to do is. If I wanted to get out of town or I needed a break, I'll call Benzino. Hey, listen, I need to get out of here. Hey, don't worry. The, there's a there's a flight already set up in your name. There's a guy at the airport ready to pick you up in a limo. The the hotel's already paid for. Don't worry about the tab. There's an S five hundred over there when you need it, and we'll be over here um, doing an event. So this when there's probably like thirty of us uh, entourage that could do that. Okay. So, all right. So you're involved with a, a, a pretty good crew, but uh, how did that go south? Well, I, I had the best time of my life with the source. I, I can't say that with self. I had to, you know, I, I think throughout the years, the gang violence kind of, you know, it kind of died down. And But we had other little things. It's like when one thing died down, something else would come about, you know, like the Paul Pierce thing or the Rough Riders um we had a fight with the Rough Riders or a fight with Fat Joe down the mind. Like, there was never a time of just relaxing. There was always something going on. Yeah, I'm looking and, and I'm kind of refreshing myself uh, with their Wikipedia page. And I see Mays and Benzino having uh, beefs with, uh, you know, different people, Lil' Kim and, and Def Jam and L.A. Reid and all that stuff. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, but uh, so there was, but that's in 2005. Is that where you're skipping ahead to? Well, this is all my stuff happened before then. So okay. we had, a, we had a, a, you know, a famous fight with um, Rough Riders and Made Men and Stabbing at TD Garden. And I believe that was 98 or something, maybe mm-hmm. 98, 2000, 99, 2000. So we had a, um, a famous fight with. Rough Riders then we had a fight in 2000, I mean, 96 with Fat Joe. So it's like throughout the years, 
we had fight with everybody. Like, there's a lot of people we could name. Yeah. You'll be like, wow. Like, all, all the way to mocking. Like, you know, Boston, if you went through Boston, we had a stay of you coming through here. So what's all these fights about? Is it? I'm guessing it's all money. It, usually that's what the fight is. No, is it, I'm not getting no, enough of it. You're getting too much no, of mine. A lot of it. A lot of it had to do with a respect factor. Like we were, we felt like we ran the town, and there were certain rules to be. You know, you had to go through if you lived in it. And so, like the Paul Pierce situation, Paul Pierce kind of was. Um, trying to get at a, a female friend who who was a cousin and we had just got into him with him the night before so that was like the warning sign so it was just something that he got into it with one person and it wasn't meant to get out of here but if we're 30 deep in the club and one person you know what i mean it's like things get blurry all right. <laughs> the life of Jamil Williams, casual but business the, moves. The, well, let me, let, me, let me make it clear. Please. You have to understand that half the, half the people involved in the Paul Pierce issue were, uh, are still, you know, Celtics diehard fans. Like, no one knew that was Paul Pierce when it happened. Like, maybe two people out of the whole group knew it was Paul Pierce. Mm-hmm. It was just in a friend, a friend in, in in a fight, and you know it's like okay, once one we was always that type. Like if one person got into it, everybody got into it. You know, we just stuck out for everybody. That's how it was. So when it went when it went down, no one really knew what was happening until afterwards, and then afterwards the lights came on. Everybody's like, "That's Paul Pierce." Mm-hmm. Of course, now chaos breaks out. You know. And and then a lot of people that got locked up for it didn't even do the things that they said they did. Hmm. So there was a lot of that, and I, you know, Willie McGinnis, Paul v- Willie McGinnis was who was cool with us, was instrumental in basically, you know, calming down the situation. And after a while, Paul Pierce became cool. You know, it wasn't, it was never an issue where someone was jealous of Paul Pierce. Someone wanted, you know. Um, money from Paul Pierce or Paul Pierce was trying to act tough. I think it was just a situation of, you know, athletes coming in, you know, in the inner city and not really recognizing who they're talking to. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Paul Pierce had yeah. his own, his own start. He, you know, from Inglewood well, and, and all the way to the Boston Celtics, man. So. Exactly. so he's from Inglewood. So, so when he did, when he, when he, you know, he was disres- he was being disrespectful to a female, and her cousin came over to protect her, and he said something smart, and it, you know, it just turned violent from there. Yeah. And you know, most of the people that jumped in, like the guy, my, the main guy that ended up getting locked up for it, they'll tell you to this day, I don't even talk to those people. I don't even like those people that that jumped in. Like he's basically in jail for people that he doesn't even handle. That's a quick decision. That's what it is. It's it's not thinking before you do, and right. and it changes whole life. You know, it, it, right. it, a lot of a lot of those decisions. I'm guessing changed your life. Uh, you know, Jamil Williams, and yeah, it made me it made me it made me have to grow up fast, man. You know, um, you know now I'm 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 around a whole different you know, different type of people around businessmen, around politicians, around people who, you know, 
make a make a matter in in how the daily structure goes on in Boston. So it's all like I said, it's all about your mind state and, and who you want to be surrounded with, man. And you know, as a youth, you're not a lot of the times these decisions are made for you. You know, I was catching cases at 13. Like we we talked about the marijuana factor. Mm-hmm. I was getting locked up for a joint a weed when I was 12. I was looking lots of basically for a sip of liquor on the ground when I was 11, 12. These are things that they systematically lock you up for just to, you know, create, you know, a, a, a sheet on you, you know, for later on in life, you know. So when you do get locked up for something important, they're like, oh, that's not this first time, you know, but these are things that don't happen in the suburbs. So you you have to understand the, the lifestyle we live in in the structure of, of, of the environment we're put in. I think you hit the nail on the head, Jamil Williams. We do a lot of things when we're young. We get influenced a lot when we're young. We see people that are older doing things, and whatever our environment uh, gives us, uh, whatever uh, choices we have, uh, you know, sometimes it's the easiest choice. Oh, I can make how much money? I can live this easily. I can get that car and those shoes if I do this and that oh but the cops don't think that that's good the law says that that's bad oh but your your figure the person that's leading you into this uh, you know you respect them because you don't know any better you are young but thankfully we do age and and we do have the ability to change and and it expound on ourselves so it seems like you're you're growing up okay you're you were getting involved with the wrong crowd up and through the the late nineties. Uh, where did it go from there, Jamil Williams? So I was I, wa- I want to say probably I ended up going to jail again. I got back out, and by the time I got back out, probably ninety eight. Huh. That's when my my crew was really making a lot of money. What were you convicted and of at that point? At that time, it was a a, a failure to report. A failure to report to my probation officer. What was the original thing? Was it? Oh, you were you were still on probation from the first time I was in jail. On probation for the shooting case, and you know, the, I had a probation officer that was on on my case. Like the the second she was, she had a, a hard on to, to lock me up. The second I came on, so the, the first day it's funny because the first day I come 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 home from jail, mm-hmm. I go to her office. I have a Sherlin on. She asked me, where did I get money to buy that? I'm like, I'm like literally like less than 24 hours out. And she's already suspected me of, you know, doing wrongdoing. I think that's what they get me. trained to do. Uh, you know, they look for things. Right. So, you know, it, it, I always had always had an issue with her. And the only reason why I, I didn't get locked up probably earlier is because I ended up getting a shootout and I got shot in the back and the bullet exited my neck. Now, I did hear something about this. That was when you were 20 years old. What year was this? Yes, I, yeah, I was 20 years old, like right before right before I found out I was having a kid. What? My first, my first son. So if I would have died, I would never find out I was having my first son. So I guess we didn't go into that. What what is your personal relationship like? Are you do you have girlfriends going growing up or you know I said you you have friend friends that are that I are did helping you I out. did have a girlfriend. I had a I had a girlfriend. You know I ended up having um 
two kids by her, you know, and everything was, you know, we always had a a, a love hate relationship, you know. Things, <laughs> right. So we never, you know, we was oil and water, man. So you know, when two people are uh, are just alike, man, a lot of the times, man, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't see the same same path. So it's it is what it is, you know, but prison did take a lot of strain on on my kids and in their relationship with the mother and everybody else involved do you have any kind of relationship with the first two at least well i does my second one my second one does um he has cerebral palsy so mm. that's another issue that you know i'm dealing with but my my first son we've had we had a relationship all the way up to probably halfway doing my bed and then me and the mother of my kids got into it again, and he went in her direction. So I do have somewhat, but it's not, you know, nowhere the way I would like it to be. I understand, Jamil Williams. Another hardship in the in your life, uh, right? So you know that that's that's that was, you know, the well, unfortunate you know pains I had to to, to take me going to jail. So tell me about getting shot at 20 years old. Hey, I've never been shot. Uh, give me the give me the experience, Jamil Williams. Well, it was something. Well, in in the book, you know, I was basically someone was confronting my friends, and like I said, you know, us being you know brothers and stuff. His beef is my beef. So when someone else confronted him, I stepped up to the plate. I was I had a gun on my on me at the time. My other friend had a gun on me at the time. So, you know, we were arguing with the guy, and I was basically wanted to just handle it. I was like, listen, man, y'all just go, and I'll handle it. And my boys is like, you know, stop. Tell, don't do it. I'm like, we're right across from the police station. But the, we didn't care about the police station at that time. So, you know, a lot of the shootings in Boston happened right in front of the police station. So I'm like, don't worry about that. Let's just go handle business. So he stopped, my friend stopped me eventually four times and I took my attention off that, off, off the guy that I was, I was trying to attack to, you know, talk to my friends and that's when I ended up getting shot. Hmm. So do you know who shot you and what happened to them? Well, we, we shot each other. So after I got shot, uh, I turned around and shot him. Okay. You're talking about some wild, wild west stuff, man. Well, that like I said, that was every day. You know, every day was, every day it was, it was a wild, 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 wild west atmosphere. It was, you know, you go to a club and someone starts shooting, you have twenty guns coming out from all different factors. You know, just, that was the life we was living. So, Jamil Williams, uh, you're in front of the police station. Uh, the sheriff comes out with his six guns. What does he do to Jamil and the other shooter? Well, a lot of times the police wouldn't come out. But that's the thing is, like, the police let everything happen and they just pick up the pieces afterwards. Like, you know, a lot of times there wasn't a, you know, okay, like there's the movies where, Oh, a shootout coming and they're running to the scene. That doesn't happen. They realize they'll sit there and just let it happen and be like, okay, that person said, okay, we will go after the guys after they finish. You know what I mean? We're not just going to intervene. And a lot of times they're not just, they have, you know, kids and wives to go through. They, they think about that as well. 
Mm. So what are the repercussions of uh, getting shot and shooting another person at this point, 20 years old? What happened? I was getting shot. Well, excuse me, can you repeat that? What happened after you got shot at 20 years old and, and you shot another person? Were there any repercussions? Did you have to go to court for this, uh, go to jail? Well, at 20 the, years well, old? I was, I was at, at 20 years old, you have to understand, I had probably already shot numerous people. Yeah. Like, You've I, already stated I was, that. I, I don't right, even know. So that, so I was like, yeah. right, so I was like, that was. I had got away with that. He got away with that, and you know, life went on from there. You know, there was probably shooting probably a couple of days later after that. So you didn't have to go to a doctor, or, or they didn't have to oh, report well, I anything. To the, I went to the. I went to the doctor. I was in the hospital for a week. I had a maybe a, a hole the size of a quarter mm. when I did get out the hospital in my neck, and you know, I healed. And but the first day I got out, I was back at the club. I was. Back holding the gun, still doing the same thing with the hole in my neck. Jamil Williams, you hear it on the TV, you see it in the movies. Every time you go to a, a hospital with a, a bullet wound, don't they have to report that? Yeah, of course. And then what happened? But I never, I never was one to talk to the police anyway. So it was just that wasn't. I don't care about that. I, I wasn't going to tell who shot me. So. I wasn't going to give the police any information, so... I'll play the cop. I'll play the cop. Mr. Jameel Williams, how'd you get this hole in your shoulder? Go ask, go ask somebody else. <laughs> I got nothing to say. <laughs> I got nothing to say to you. That's it. But that is usually the calm... That's usually the calm way of me talking. I, I'm usually more aggressive. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right, I didn't really. I I never really liked you know police questioning me in, to begin with. So they, they usually called me the smart out. Hey, we're going through the very interesting life of Jamil Williams. The casual business moves, uh, man. I'm I'm having I'm having a, a, a good time listening to your very interesting story, man. Well, you had some uh, some experiences. You're you're only 20 years old at this point. You're a much older man right. now. I'm 50. So I mean. Uh, you still got a whole another piece of your life ahead of you. Where do we right. go from twenty so, years old? You have to understand. My book only goes to a, when I'm twenty six, and at that time I was sentenced, you know, to murder, you know, natural life. But um, I had already I went to jail, not worried about anything because I had already lived two times over right. in my life. You know, I felt like you know. The things that I had accomplished, they were, people wasn't going to do that in a lifetime. So, what happened after twenty years old? And, and that's after twenty, I get out. I get out. I start. I open a store. You know, I, life is good, man. The source, the source really starts picking up. What kind you of a store? Going to the, um, a dollar store. Oh, you open up a like a a, a store that sells things for a dollar. Right, yeah, sell a dollar store, so a ninety nine, basically a ninety nine cents. Like one of the chain stores, or you open your own? No, but I open up, I open up my own dollar store. You know, back then, I just opened up a dollar store, which was doing really good in the hood. That sounds, yeah, it sounds like it would right. do good. Uh, there's a lot right, of so, very inexpensive items there. You, you can go right, in there with absolutely. twenty bucks and come out with a, a a bunch of items that you need for your house. Right. So, so we, you know, I did, I did that, you know, and. Did you, you know, do that on your own, or, or how did, how yeah, did that happen? Yeah, I did happen? that on my own. Well, you know, I had money, just wanted to something to invest in, you know. And 
that was one of the things I had my eyes on. And my or a previous friend had owned it before. They was doing good, and you know, some happened, and he basically had did what the unspoken word is, you know, and that was talk to the police back in the days. Jamil Williams, it's amazing, and people don't know. Well, maybe they do know. Uh, You can get some money from, quote-unquote, illegal activities and turn it into something good. Here you open up a store in your community that's helpful to the community. It's something that that, uh, the community needs. They they need a store that sells uh, products at at low prices, and that's what you're providing. So how how did did that go? Okay, is it still going, or how did it go? Well, wrong? no, I, that 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 ended up. I ended up. I ended up shutting it down. We ended up. So, like I said, we was making a lot of money. So it it came into a time where we had seven different agencies investigating us, and a lot of them were financial agencies from the Secret Service on down. Mm. So, um, when that came in we, we was at in the in the process of opening a, a sneaker store a, a sneaker store we was in process of opening a sneaker store right next door to it but um once the heat started coming down you know we 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 ended up closing both of them oh here you had something that could have been legit you could have gone straight you know and, and, and right. on the up and up, and because why was it investigated? Because it was bought with the illegal monies, or right? Yeah, well, you know, we at that like I, I said at that time, we was doing a lot of illegal activities, man, especially in the white collar field. So, you know, they had been investigating us for years upon years, and they're like, listen, these guys basically have a control and hold on on Boston as far as you know when it comes to check scams. So when when that came about when that came about mm. we just knew that they was they was gonna be, you know, investigating. We used to see them right outside our house. You know, like the Goodfellas show and you knock on on the van and say, Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we was really doing that. <laughs> like, I mean so it's just it ha- having a storefront, it, it seems like a very good front for illegal activity. So I, I think that's probably why they were they were investigating but here you well, had they the chance investigating us way before then yeah you, you know, had the chance to go legit man you were you were i mean was this because you were trying to get out of the check scamming or was this because you had well, nah, too much just, money you burned? know we just had too much money man just you know looking at you know i was used to taking trips man spending money on jewelry just you know investing in things just wanted to do something you know that that would be for the long call, you know, something to invest in. Man. Always was, I always was thinking about the kids, you know, always like, man, I want to do something that if I do fall, man, the, the kids have been taken care of, the kids have something, you know, that my legacy goes on when, when if I do die or something. You're in the streets, you never know what's going to happen. All right. At this point, are you on your own or, or do you at least have a, a lady friend that's uh, that's keeping you somewhat grounded, telling you maybe you shouldn't do that kind of stuff? To, you know, what's your, well, I had, your always, doing I've that? always had I've always had positive influences in my life. I everybody that was outside of the streets was always trying to push me in into, you know, a life away from the streets. They they always knew I was bright. They knew that, you know, I had a, a, a ray of sunshine just beaming on me. It's just that 
I wanted to live in the darkness, you know? So it's like, it was a pull of two worlds, man. But yeah, I've always had positive influences in my life. I just, you know, chose the streets. Yeah, you got your aunt saying, hey, man, you got computers over here. Come come try this. You can make 30 an hour. Right. And you got mom in the nursing business. I, I'm sure she was trying to steer you in the medical field. There's lots of money to be right. made there. And right. Jamal Williams ain't having it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, at the time, you know what it is, is that I didn't have, like I said, the positive influences I needed to make the proper decisions at that time, you know. Yeah. Uh, coming in, coming into the streets when you, if you come into an early age, man, and that's what you're used to. By the time you grow up to, you know, your, your, your mind develops as an adult, you've already become accustomed to, you know, a, a life of violence, a life of crime, you know, and there's. No. It just doesn't seem bad. You know, it just seems like, okay, well, this guy's doing it next to me. That guy's doing it next to me. If I go down the street, they're doing it. So it's like, all right, well, this is the world you have to live in to navigate through the, the, through the streets, man, you know? Well, plus you're in your it's 20s a, and, and you're still made of rubber, man. You got uh, Wolverine right. powers. You can heal. Uh, you've already proven that. 20 years old, you get shot, and uh, no, bullets pretty much bounce right off of you, man. So you're... You're back, you know, and and how did that change you? Did did getting getting out of the hospital? Did you said, eh, you know what? Maybe I, I need to go straight, or, or you kept on going. Where where did it go no, from I here, Jimmy? I kept on going hard. I mean, I kept on going as soon as I got out the hospital. You know, I was I was back in action. I I I wanted to, you know, resume my position of you know power on the street as far as a shooter. You know, yeah, and. You know, like I said, my mind was warped back then, and that's all that, you know, being the baddest person on the street was, you know, the, the focus and the goal. You know, making money, being bad, and having the respect of my peers and and the people around me, that's, you know, that's was well, my focus really. You say your book Wrong Turn Right it uh goes through until you were 26. So from 20 so, to 26 so, how did those 6 years uh go for so you? I wrote I wrote two books. I have two books coming out. So Wrong Turn Right goes probably to 18. That goes it goes to my getting out of prison. I go to prison and I get out of prison. And then Source of of, of information is my second book. So that's the sequel to Wrong to Right. So that source of information has basically all the celebrity stories. It has stories from the um, Source um, Awards and, you know, me coming coming into myself as a man. And you start to see the difference of me changing a little bit. So when did you write the book that took you to the, to the age of 18? What so you I, I wrote... I wrote both of the books within the last ooh, within the last couple of years. So why did you decide to split them into two? Because it's all primarily going on your life. Because I, I can, well, you know, I, I could see it because there's a lot of life to be to have li been right. lived for sure. But uh, we still haven't gotten right. from twenty to twenty six yet. Uh, so, so that's why that's why that's why there's two books, and this is actually is this is a trilogy of my life story because uh -huh. it's like. That goes to 26, and that's when I'm being charged with murder. Oh. So there's a whole lifetime about me getting convicted, me having to, you know, go through countless of lawyers, me having 
you know, eventually to overturn my case. And basically at the end with a DA gets fired, all of that comes into play. So I had my turn where the DA was basically fighting for his life on the, on the, on the stand. So take us a little bit into that. Uh, how did, uh, well, I mean, who, who was it that you were accused of murdering and, you know, or, or what type of person was it if you don't want to name names or anything? No, I mean, it's, it's in my book. I don't care. So like, like I said, five days before, um, you know, I caught my murder case, a friend of mine was murdered and, you know, we ended up seeking revenge and that's how I ended up catching that case. How old were you then? I was 18. So I actually ended up flipping my case on the, I was seven, 17 at the time. Mm. So I ended up flipping my case on the new juvenile law. And this is the first book or is this getting into the second book? Well, no, this is a book that's yet to be written. Okay. This is going to be the third book. So my first book goes to 18. My second book goes to me getting charged with murder for the first degree. And there is so no statute of limitations for murder. So this is the, well, the I one that you pled, did. I pled, guilty. I pled guilty to it, so I'm able to talk about it. Okay. Okay. So tell me, tell me a bit more. <laughs> that you're gonna have to go. To, that okay. you're gonna have to go to a book. You're gonna have to go get the book to go see. So I told you a lot of stories, but a lot of them I'm giving you the the, the surface of the stories. And this is um, what I'm giving you is not even like a tenth of the book. Where you like <laughs> you you're gonna it's by it's action and violence nonstop. But you'll see a change. It's like if you ever wanted to know what was going on in the mind of a criminal, you know, this is a book for you. If you ever wanted to know, you know, what was going on with your enemy, you know, what your enemy was thinking, you know, or, or someone that's a youth that needs to some guidance before they get into the game. Like, I feel like this book can be a teaching moment for a lot of people just because it relates to the street in Everybody thinks, oh, my situation is different, but a lot of these situations are the same. You know, you 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 try to put your love into the to the game into the streets, but the streets don't love anybody. Jamil you know, Williams, you, you learned this uh, type of sales from a young age, uh, from being a crack dealer. You gave me a little taste, and, and now I just want more. Now I want to read the right. whole book. Now I want to know. How do I get a hold of this book? And how many books? You say you have two. You have one that's out there, one that's coming no, out there. I have two. I have, I have two, two that, that are out there. Will, 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 no, I have two, and both of them. I have both of them will be released probably on Amazon starting sometime in January. I want to say, man. So okay. probably right. beginning of January, and they'll, they'll detail basically everything in my life, and you know. Even when I go in jail, I get into, you know, what was life been like in jail, man? How you had to survive in jail? What, what, you know, what could, you know, set something off at any given moment? So, if you ever were just wondered what, what life would be like in the mind of a criminal that was going on, well, I was one of the best at doing it, man. So, you would want this book. Well, there's a quite a few years that are going to be uh, discussed in that book and those three books, for that matter. But uh, let's skip way forward. How you living now? Got a good job? Kids? Well, wife? Yeah, right, well, oh, man, I have 
I'm 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 working I'm working towards that, you know, getting married again, you know, getting a wife, but you know, um no kids. I haven't had any more kids since I came out. I start came out, um I started a business, you know, one way auto ain't which was a car dealer used cars dealership. Okay. I did that for a while. Now I just opened a published company, um, casual business moves. So I'm looking to do um clothing books and music through it so i have a clothing line that i've been pushing gangster going legit um you could go on on the web page and you'll probably see like all the celebrities holding up the um the shirt from snoop dogg down to everybody you know so yeah you know just trying to push forward be, be legit man and you know you know try to steer the youth from doing the same things and make the mistakes that i made all right, Jamil Williams, Casual Business Moves. I, I did find you on Facebook, and I found you on Instagram as well. Uh, any right, other so places? I'm at Vicado88 Vicado on um, Instagram and um, Vicado88 on um, Facebook. I will be um, uh, opening a website, casualbusinessmoves.com. It should be open later on this week or in a week and a half or so. And yeah, you can find me also at um, Picado88 yeah. at com. I'm glad that you're working on that website because I tried to go to the website and it says hacked. So uh, yeah, so no, <laughs> I did. I I've been leaving it that way and I've been working on it behind the scenes. So <laughs> it's up and running, everything straight. And yeah, I've been just making sure everything's together. So I want everything to come out and just pop all at once. I've been doing podcasts. And, you know, appearances all over. So I look forward to, you know, making this brand go hopefully globally. Jamil Williams, I can see that you're going out there. You're tr- you're trying to make a go of it, making it straight. And I'm so glad, so happy for you that you moved into this casual business move uh, media and it's it's doing t-shirts and and uh you know books you're, you're publishing uh have you helped anybody else uh along the way uh publishing their so right their now, books yeah so right now i do have a couple of books in the making um i'm looking for my 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 brand obviously my books to you know be the focus point of of the brand so once my my books come out and they start to settle down I'll be doing, I'll be releasing like two to three more authors' books. Excellent, Jamil Williams. That's that's how we get ahead in this world, man. Helping each other out. <laughs> that's that's the only way we're going to get ahead, man. You cannot step on people. You got to grab them by the hand and bring them up with you, man. That's how we all right. win. All right. Well, it seems like you got life, you got life uh, straight. How do people, uh, you've already uh, given an idea of how do people find find you online and get a hold right. of these books, uh, in the ones that are coming out soon and the ones even further into the future. I'm going to put all these links in the show notes so people know exactly how to get a hold of Jameel Williams, the casual right. business moves media man. Uh, you know, you've right. had a life so listen, far, man. T- tell me more. What? Tell everybody, everybody, listen, look forward to the books coming out. They'll be coming out um, mid, mid-January, maybe earlier than that, but they're definitely... You know, ear catching, mind catching, and you 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 must read them. So, go ahead and get them. <laughs> like I said, man, I've got a little taste, and all I want to do is is uh, no more. Now, I listen to a lot of books on tape, man. Are you thinking about uh, putting them out there? Uh, hopefully, do them in your voice. Yes. Well, um, I, I was 
I didn't. I, I I am doing audio tapes, so those should be coming soon and probably a little bit later than the release date. But they'll definitely be available. So I, I'll be doing eBooks probably with my Amazon release date. Hey, I know I put you on the spot on that one, Jamil Williams. That's that's how us kids, you know, of the tender age of fifty years old, listen to uh, listen to books on tape. <laughs> right, right, right. No, I I've actually already started the process of doing the audio books but that's like a process you know so that's gonna be a process so, oh yeah it's yeah, time gonna, consuming I'm man <laughs> right so i'm definitely gonna i'm definitely gonna have that for the consumers and i want them to you know hear it in my voice man so they can see the excitement that i i have with my words and basically you know feel themselves in the moment that i'm trying to present Absolutely, Jamil Williams. Listen to the story from the storyteller himself, man. All right, we've talked uh, quite a bit, man, and and I appreciate your story so much, man. Uh, give the people uh, the last words, man. You got any last words for the people? Well, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm grateful for any support I can get. You know, um, I'm happy alone just writing a book. You know, that's an accomplishment in itself, and you know, I look forward to hopefully providing more books that they can enjoy and. Hopefully, I get great, great reviews from it. Enjoy. Well, there you have it, party people. Jameel Williams, Casual Business Moves Media. Find him everywhere. I put the links in the show notes. Uh, Yeah, he gave us a little taste of what his life is, of what's in those books. A little taste, and now you want to devour the whole thing. It's... uh it's life. It's an interesting life. And he, he told me a little bit more after we were off the air. So, uh, you know, he's there. there's more to it. There's a whole lot more to the story. And I look forward to the audio book. I know I put him on the spot on that one, but I like to listen to, to my books on tape. And I say on tape. It's all digital now. What is a tape, Grandpa? <laughs> Uh, Jamil Williams, thank you so much for being on the program. What makes you famous? Casual business moves media. I could see it ever forward. You're on the straight and narrow. And uh, yeah, we talked a little bit about drugs. Uh, Drugs are subjective now. A lot of them are being regulated. And the more that the government regulates, the safer their distribution will be. I don't think I've ever done a drug on purpose <laughs> if anything's ever been slipped to me i have no idea i had a half a beer once i've smelled marijuana i like the smell of it sometimes sometimes it smells really bad <laughs> but uh you know it, it you know i've 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 been around drugs uh, you know in the dj business i know that there's drugs around i know that there's people in the bathrooms doing drugs at some of these places but uh you know it's all subjective it's all subjective. The, the, the more it gets regulated, the safer it'll be for the users of these things. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I guess I'm up in the air uh, on whether to legalize it. I, I think legalizing it, you'd, you'd probably stop a lot of the drug wars. Uh, you know, the history shows that uh, when alcohol was prohibited, there was a lot of wars. But then as soon as the prohibition was lifted... Everybody uh, went to the bar and had a beer, I think. Uh, So uh, war's over. (sighs) All right. 
I know. I went a little bit deep on that one. <laughs> I think I went out into the weeds. Thanks again, Jamil Williams, for being on the program. What makes you famous? If you'd like to tell your story, I encourage you to give me a call at 501-470-6386 or email info at RadioWhat.com. That's it for me. It's Keys Dan, RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. If you like what you hear, follow What Makes You Famous social media. Use the hashtag What Makes You Famous. Follow on Facebook at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Instagram at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Twitter at Makes Famous. And follow on YouTube at Keys Dan. Leave What Makes You Famous podcast a review and subscribe. Listen to What Makes You Famous podcast on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and almost anywhere you find podcasts. Tell your story on my podcast, What Makes You Famous. Call 501-470-6386 and leave a message to set up a time. You can support What Makes You Famous using the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash keys dan email info at radio what.com what makes you famous podcast is a production of keys dan enterprises incorporated at keys dan.com thank you for listening radio what the music you want with some great, great quotes most men pursue pleasure with such breathless haste that they hurry past it soren kickegaard the music you want radio what's Com. Tweet, tweet, yo. Follow Radio What on Twitter at Radio What Twit. Tweet, tweet, yo.